Hey, my friends, are you thinking about starting your own podcast? If you are, Anchor is the way to go. Anchor is a platform that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. It also will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on your Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. It's also a platform where you can make money, but yet it is a free tool to use. It's everything you need to make a podcast. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Good morning if you're just waking up. Good afternoon if you're in the middle of your day and good evening if you're on your way home from work or from school. Well, welcome to the podcast for I Need Answers. This is the third episode. I can't believe we keep on going strong. We're we're going to make it to the end. Hopefully, you've enjoyed the past few episodes that we've done. We're continuing the series for the podcast, I Need Answers. Now, if you haven't heard, this is a podcast for the book, I Need Answers. It's a book that answers your questions about the Ethiopian Orthodox Soharu Church. I trust, I hope, I pray that by now you've taken the time to read the book and saw that it was an amazing book. Yes, 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 that's right. And hopefully you're going to continue this podcast, listening to this podcast, and so that you could get a lot out of it. Again, you'll get a lot out of the podcast assuming that you've already read the book. But before any of that, it's only appropriate we begin by bowing our heads and praying so that God will bless this podcast. Although I have to say, if you're on the road and you're driving, please don't bow your head. Your safety is important to everybody else. Let's gather our thoughts and our minds as we stand or pray before our Heavenly Father. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, I mean, holy, holy, holy is your name, our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you for giving us this time, this hour, so that we are able to learn about you and we are able to discuss about this this book that will enable many people to understand about the Ethiopian Orthodox Father Church. Our Heavenly Father, we ask that you bless all the people listening to this podcast, bless their family, bless their day, and all of their loved ones. I too ask you, God, that you give me the ability to speak, use me as a vessel, God, and accept my services that I offer up unto you through the intercession of the most holy Theotokos and of all of the saints. For blessed are you unto ages and ages. Amen. All right, let's get to it. Um, we have a lot of things to talk about. Uh, again, we're still on this preface, this introduction phase, and I just wanted to take my time and, and talk about it because there's a lot of issues I wanted to tackle even before getting into the actual chapters of the book because it's within the preface and the introduction that we get ready and we are set up in a correct position to fully take and get a lot out of the book. Now, 
Last time on the first part of the preface, I talked about my experience growing up in the Ethiopian Orthodox Water Church. Most of you that grew up, like who came here when you were like five or six, I, I hope you're able to relate uh, with with some of the stories, at least growing up in Sunday school and being able to establish some friends, especially if you're in the D.C. area. I'm sure you're able to connect with that story. And then, of course, I went to college and when I went to college, when I went away to college, I also went away from God. And this is kind of a reoccurring theme that we see throughout the country where many people might come to church when they're young. But the minute they go to college, they also go away. They get away from God, rather. And we left off at the part where after college and doing what I did in college. And then when I came back to visit the church, I noticed that. Uh, well, right before I left, I was given the responsibility of, of teaching Sunday school. When I came back, I noticed that most of my students were gone and the, their seats had been filled with new faces and new students. And it seemed like we were getting ready for yet another cycle of students to learn for their high school career and maybe leave right after they go away to college. I'm sure this is probably your truth, too. If you are listening and you grow up in America, you can probably relate with how your spiritual life completely changed. Maybe not completely, but was affected when you went away to college. That, and we talked about that, that, that true sense, that our true self Remember, we talked about that, our, our young 10-year-old self and our two identities essentially changed when we go away to college. And this is a big part that most of us have. And I'm sure you're able to connect with that as well. Now, what irked me, I remember when I came back to the church, one of the things that really got to me was the response of those in authority. And I'm not here to blame or anything like that. I'm here to talk about facts and the reality. But what ended up happening is a lot of people, when they saw college-age students leaving the church, they simply threw up their hands in the air and, and waved them like they didn't care. And like it was just like there was no solution. There was nothing that people wanted to do except to say and acknowledge the fact that a lot of the youth were leaving. Now, I would say just now, maybe a, a few years ago, people are getting the point and people are getting up and getting ready to do something. And all this because there was no Sunday school teachers at the time when we were growing up that can relate with us. See, most of the people who would come to teach Sunday school were truthfully non-English speakers uh, that we DC Monam is different. DC Monam is different because we had, we had, uh, as I, I talked about in the last, last podcast, we had a, an amazing Sunday school teacher named Shimadlis and also, um, Kedist. but once they left, there was that, that vacuum, that, that empty space where I remember there were, there would be weeks where we would come to the church and, and nobody was there to teach us. That's a problem. Or the people that came and that attempted to teach us simply couldn't connect with the youth. And I don't blame them. That's just we're in different worlds. This is why those of you listening, and if you're listening and you happen to be a Sunday school teacher at your local church, understand your job is extremely important. You may not think so, but it is. Maybe you yourself are 
mid-20s, early 20s, and you're finding the responsibility of teaching Sunday school extremely overwhelming. I understand. I get it. Trust me, I do. But you have been given the task of teaching kids about God. And that is an amazing thing. It's Yes, it's a huge responsibility. And I get how it could be scary. But embrace it. It's people like you who are the hope of the church. It is people like you that can change the course of this this cycle that we've been seeing for the past 20 years. That responsibility is in your hands. Again, I understand it's, it's scary. But it's also a blessing. If you're thinking... If you're thinking about walking away from Sunday school because maybe you're not getting along with somebody in at your local church, maybe the priest and you were just not vibing very well, or maybe you're not getting along with some of the parents, or maybe even some of the kids, don't look at that. Look at the fact that you're making history at the moment. Teaching Sunday school to kids is probably one of the biggest and the most important roles that you will play in your life. I had a mentor once told me, the person who is responsible to teach you about God has a big role in your life. And this is what he was trying to say. He said, the person that's teaching you about God is essentially the person who is introducing God to you. And how you are introduced to God matters because your idea of God is going to be dependent on how you're being introduced. Or to put it another way, how you draw God in your head. Like if you close your eyes, again, if you're driving, please don't, (laughs) please don't. But if you just close your eyes and I ask you to draw God, who would you draw? Who would you draw? See, I'm convinced some people would draw somebody from like the 1970s, a hippie, like long hair, whatever, dude. Whatever, dude, whatever, man. It's all good, man. And this are the people who, because they have, they drew God in this image, their attitude about sin reflects that, right? Like, my God is cool. No, me and my God, we're cool. You know what I mean? Like, it's all good. Like, no, my God understands. Like, no, after all, it's God. Like, God understands because he's a, you know, that's how they draw God in their minds. Some people draw God as, I'm convinced as a military person and you see that in their action because everything is don't do that. Don't do this. And don't do you dare do that. And that is their attitude upon God because the way they have been introduced to God is as being this militant chief who is all about punishing people and throwing them away to hell. The way I was introduced to God I was introduced to him as a heavenly father. I was taught that like a father, he was loving. Like a father, he will chastise me when need be. Like a father, he would guide me. Like a father, he will teach me. And this responsibility of introducing God to young kids is given to you. And whatever they learn at that time, kids at that age, it will remain with them for years and years and years to come. I get it. I get it. It's hard. It's hard. It's difficult. But walking away is not going to solve anything. And I'm saying all of this to help you understand to take your job seriously. Nothing in the world breaks my heart more than seeing young, young Sunday school teachers 
preparing for Sunday class as they're walking into class, getting their app out on their phone and, 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 and trying to open up a, a, a verse that they could talk about for the next 30 minutes. I, I, I get it. Life is difficult. But if you're a Sunday school teacher, take your job a little bit more seriously. Prepare just an hour on Saturday getting ready for Sunday so, because what you say matters. And they're taking those kids that are sitting in your classroom are taking your words as if it was the word of God. That's the only way they're introduced to God is through you. And that's a huge responsibility. And I understood that. And because I understood that, when I came back a second time after college, and especially after I graduated college, I took my job very seriously. And before teaching Sunday school, I figured I needed to take time and learn about my church. So I started going to Bible study um, groups. And I always talk about him, my um, my confession father, my guidance, my role model is Abba Filipos in Virginia. Those of you guys who live in Virginia, go visit him. He's an amazing priest. He's a many, He's an amazing father. And I remember the first time when I went to this Bible study without Bafilipos. I walked in and, and he has this grace. The minute you see him, you can, you can tell he has this grace. And I walked into the room and we sat down and he asked me a very simple question. Is Orthodox in America hard or easy? <laughs> and... I wrote this in, in, in the book as well. And I remember listening to this and saying, the answer is very straightforward. Orthodox in America is hard. It's nearly impossible. And I know that those of you who grew up here, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably like me and think like me. Like growing up in America, in, in the Orthodox church is, is one of the hardest things that we had to do. The language is different. The culture is different. It seems like we can never get anything right. People are always kind of like laughing at us. I remember like people still to this day ask me, why don't you preach in Amharic? It's because every time I speak in Amharic, people think I'm cute rather than taking what I have to say seriously. And that is annoying. So when you go to church, you could be old, you could be in your 20s, you could be in your 30s. And then, you know, when 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 you start talking to America, we, 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 we listen to his Amharic. And it's like we could never get anything taken seriously because... Just of like the culture difference. It seems like we're always in the wrong. We're like that weird outside kind of thing that just people don't know what to do with us. And for this reason, it absolutely is difficult. I felt like. But I also noticed over the years when new people would come into the Bible study and the, the priest Abba Filipos would ask people, is Orthodox easy or hard in America? Those who came from Ethiopia would say Orthodoxy in America was easy not easy but not just easy but super easy so easy to the point that they were complaining remembering the times when they were in Ethiopia and the different type of fast they have to do and how long they have to stay and and the different type of like times they had to go to church and all that and that's gone in America and, and these are Americans they've ruined everything and and all this stuff and at that point I realized that there are two types of Orthodox Christians in America. People don't like to admit that as if like we created some type of like division within the church. No, 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 no. This is a reality that exists. There are two different types of Orthodox Christians in America. That is the reality. Until we accept it, we can't move forward. The first one, I feel like is the ones, like I said, that came from Ethiopia. And that's just, you know, that's, 
they have their own way of doing things and, and, and they have a, their own way of approaching things. Uh, those of us who are born here, grew up here, well, we act, walk, speak, think very differently. And that is mainly due to the fact that we are growing up in a country where 24-7, we're being fed the tradition of the West, right? Uh, when we watch TV, when we're talking to our friends, when we go to school, like everything that we're doing is related with the Western tradition. So when we walk into the Ethiopian Orthodox Auto Church, it's completely different from what we've been seeing six days out of the seven days, six days out of the week. It's, everything is different. The way they act, the way they, they, everything about the Ethiopian Orthodox Auto Church. And that starts to build frustration. Like, why is it different? Why is it not like what I'm used to seeing throughout the week? This frustration then leads up to us leaving the church. You know, and this is true about every society, if we're honest with ourselves. The reality is whenever we, are, we encounter something that we don't understand, we're frustrated by it, we're scared by it, and we walk away from it. Instead of taking the time to understand it, it's easier to close our minds, to turn our backs, and walk away. Case in point. In Ethiopia, when the first movie theater opened up, people <laughs> people didn't know what a movie theater was, right? So, like, I think it was, like, in the, I don't know, 50s, 60s, 70s, don't quote me on that. But somewhere around that period when the movie theaters entered Addis Ababa, the older generation especially, like, this idea of, like, a TV, especially, in a, they, like, there's a room and then there's, like, a movie where people are, like, talking and stuff. Like, they couldn't wrap their minds around this, quote-unquote, technology. Like, they didn't know what to do with it. So, what was it? So, what, the best way to explain it, they said, Kasit Anno. And they started calling it Yasit Anbit. They call it the devil's house, right? Uh, because they couldn't explain what was going on. It was easier for them to be scared of it and explain it <clears throat> in a way of saying it is from the devil. What's funny is actually uh, not too long ago when I went, they're like, yeah, you say Tanuita Zagano. And then like, that's when I understood about the history of the name because it, it kept being called Yasit Tanuita. And, and the same thing is true when it comes to our church. When we encounter things and, and teachings and ideas and, 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 and types of worships that we do not understand and what we're not accustomed to, it's easier to say we're scared of it. It's easier to say this worship is wrong because I don't know it. Instead of taking the time to understand. I remember a few years ago, there was a group of people that, that like non-Ethiopians that, that came into the church. I'm going to be politically incorrect. I'm going to be politically incorrect. I apologize for all those people that are listening. It was like these elderly white people, white folks that were like rich and, and retired. And like, they were like, let's do something exotic, you know? And then like, they were like, oh, Ethiopian church, you know? So like they, they came into the church and I guess 
you know, like, because, like, it's the Ethiopian Orthodox Order Church is, like, from Africa, like, the African church list. And I guess they expected people, like, being half naked, beating on a drum. I don't, I don't know what they expected, but they, they got me. And I was standing in front of them, and, like, all these people were there. Like, they're, they're taking cameras, and, like, they're taking pictures, and, like... <laughs> I don't know what they were expecting. I guess they wanted like some lions and tigers to jump out. But like, it's a church. It's a church. So like we had crosses and Bible and stuff like that. And you can tell they're not happy because they wanted something else to happen. And eventually I started to talk about the church and I'm like, yeah, you know, the Bible and stuff. And one sweet, sweet lady um, raises her hand and she goes, wait. You guys read the Bible? And I'm like, this is the Ethiopian Orthodox Tohado Church. Because we are a church, we are Christians, ergo, we read the Bible. And then she raises her hand again, and I'm like, what is it? And she goes, but but is it the same Bible? And I'm like, well, the last time I checked, there's one Bible. Yes, the Ethiopian Orthodox Tohado Church has additional books added to the Bible, but the Bible is the Bible. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And she just could not process that information. Why? We appear to be different. And different means wrong in a lot of people's definition. And I fear, I fear that even for those of us who grew up in America, we have traces, maybe not to the fullest extent, but traces of this mindset when it comes into the church. We go into the church, we see something we don't like, and it's easy for us to say, ah, you know what? It's wrong. I'll leave. Let, let, let me just go. This is not what I'm used to. This is not what I've been fed through all my life when I go to school, when I'm watching TV, when I'm around my friends. But again, before you do that, again, nobody's stopping you. But before you do that, take time to learn about the church. I think the reverse is true as well. And people from Ethiopia have also been programmed to think in one way. When they come to America, they reject what's in front of them. It's it's the same thing because for for people in Ethiopia, all they know, especially if they grew up in the Orthodox Father Church, is prayer, fasting, and, and and going to church. That's what they've been taught. So when they come to America and they're introduced to to different societies, different mindsets, it's easier to be scared of it. So the question remains: Who's right? Are they right? Are we right? Who's right? Well. For me, I don't think that's an efficient way to have this discussion. I don't think that's sufficient. I don't think we get anything done by talking about who's right and who's wrong. Instead, I like to have the conversation from the vantage point of saying the Ethiopian Orthodox Sohara Church has something to offer to the world. It has something to offer to the world, whether you're Ethiopian, American, what Asian, Hispanic, whatever you are. It has something to offer to you. I think us as members of the Ethiopian Orthodox Auto Church or non-members of the Ethiopian Orthodox Auto Church, it's worth our time to at least understand, understand the church. One of the things that really get to me are people who say like the Ethiopian Orthodox Auto Church is wrong. Ooh, that's like a tough statement 
to back up. I was having a conversation the other day about confession and a friend of mine was like, you know what? The church is wrong when they do like the confession and the way they do. And they're like, that's, oh, that's tough. That's tough. Because before you say something is wrong, you've got to take the time to learn about it. Again, no one is convincing you to agree with it, but at least learn about it. Learn about it. And after that, you can say, all right, I know what, what, it, where, what, what I need to know, and this is wrong or this is right. And then that, that remains true about everything else. And I think I've said this before, but it's worth saying my job and anybody's job, I don't think for real, is, is to convince you to be part of the church. As you're listening to this podcast, I want you to understand that. Like, and as you're reading the book and, and, and doing what you're doing, like the intent is not for me to convince you. So if you've come to, with that mindset, I'm sorry, you're going to be let down. My interest, on the other hand, is to show you and help you understand what the church is all about. It is beautiful. It is big. It has something to offer you. I can explain to you what the church is about. And that's my intention. I'm not here to convince you. So again, when you come, just come with an open mind to hear what the church has to say. It was with this realization that made me focus more on Sunday schools at my local church because I knew there was some type of gap between the two forms of Orthodox Christianity that existed in America. And I was I was teaching the Sunday school students. I, I realized now they finally had someone they could relate with. Uh, most of the, the, the young people, now they could talk to somebody who understood them, who thought like them. So more and more and more people started coming to the church and the beacon of hope that I had was in some of the students is I started to see their life completely transform. Again, I write about this in the book, but one thing that really got to me was uh, there was one particular student who came and asked me to start a Bible study program, not on Sundays, but on Fridays, Friday evenings. And suddenly, young people from like age 16 plus would come on Friday night starting from like 7 or 6 p.m. And we would stay there until midnight. That's a miracle. And again, I don't think they were coming to hear what I had to say. I don't think I have anything interesting to say. They were coming because they were interested in what God had to say. And I have witnessed this year after year after year. God completely transforming the lives of many, many students. And I talk about one particular kid in the book. His name, well, the name that I give him is Kalab. I'm using an alias. Uh, but but basically, when I met him, he was really in a bad situation. I remember he was experimenting with drugs. He was hanging around with the bad people. He was, he was doing everything that you can say, say he wasn't going to have a productive future. I didn't do anything. But God transformed this kid's heart and his mind. And going from that troubled age teenager, he was transformed to being a young man who went on to college, who started teaching Sunday school on his own. And now he's graduated college and is working and is actually one of the people who really helped me in, in financing this book. 
and who who helped me organize uh, people together to to pay for the costs related with publishing of the book. And he's a good guy. I give him a hard time at times, but he's a good guy. Here's the thing. The story of Kalab can easily be your, your story. If you allow God to enter into your heart, he can transform your life forever. If you're listening to this podcast, I bet you're listening because there's something deep deep down inside of you that's telling you there's more to life than what you already have. If you are listening to this podcast, it's because deep down inside your soul is crying out to God and saying, God, I need you more than ever. Our job is to surrender our soul, our life to God. Let him transform us. Let him change us. And you will see your life will be better than ever. Your life will have meaning. Your life will have value. Your job? To simply allow him to enter into your heart. I think that is a good place to stop. I pray that your day is blessed. I pray that you're able to have the connection with God, that the connection that you're looking for. I, I pray that you're able to have the answers to your questions about God, about the church. And hopefully, I pray that you'll continue to listen to the podcast next week as we begin the first chapter of the book. I'll see you guys then. God bless. Thank you.